It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to The Build-Up as we get set for Sharks Hockey tonight in Anaheim on the Ducks. Remember, the game will be on ESPN, so if you want to listen to a home broadcast, sync your television broadcast with Dan Rusinowski and Brett Hedekin right here on the Sharks Audio Network. Uh, to get into all things Ducks and talk a little bit about the parallel pass that the Ducks and Sharks might be on a bit right now, we are now joined by Dan Wood, radio color commentator of the Anaheim Ducks. Dan, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Happy New Year. I'm doing very well, Ted. Uh, thanks for having me as always, and I hope things are good with you. Yeah, can't complain, man. And uh, I'm always you know, interested to see what the view is on the other side, because if you were to go on Sharks social media right now and you know see what people are saying about the Sharks, everybody wants to tank for Bedard. And I am not anti-hot young prospects. I just don't always view it as the be-all, end-all, save-all for a sports franchise. Is that conversation consistent with what you hear around Ducks fans? Well, I think it's on people's minds, no question, uh, especially given the way he dominated the World Juniors. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's no team in this league that wouldn't love to add Connor Bedard. And certainly uh, those who are rebuilding, such as the Sharks and the Ducks, uh, that would be a nice add. You know, I'd be all in favor of tanking for Connor Bedard if you knew that by finishing last you were going to get the first pick, but right. you don't. <laughs> In fact, the odds are that even if you finish last, you're not going to get the first pick. So I don't know that it makes an awful lot of sense. Obviously, the lower you finish, the better your chances. But, um, you know, you're going to be less than 50-50 no matter what. So I'm not sure it makes sense. No, it is, it is a risky proposition. And then there's the also the other aspect of this of, you just never know. Like I can name you a hundred prospects in many other sports that simply did not pan out, even though they looked dominant at the level or at where they were to where it looked like they would be the next great talent. I mean, it obviously looks good for Bedard, but I mean, do you have that same type of reservation that I do? Or are you more like, come on, Ted, he looks pretty amazing. I wouldn't call mine a reservation. I think it's an acceptance of reality because mm -hmm. you're 100% correct. There are no guarantees with any prospect that you draft. Um, you know, some obviously look better than others. And some years, the number one pick in the NHL draft is a really big deal, whereas other years, not so much. Um, you know, if, if you're talking about a player of the level of Connor McDavid or Nathan McKinnon or going back even farther, uh, Sidney Crosby, and you can throw mm -hmm. in other names as well, uh, you know, that that's something that could be a game changer for a franchise. I mean, I'll speak about the Ducks because I know them best. If you look at this rebuild and you look at the young players the Ducks have, 
they have some good ones, but I don't know that they have anyone who is going to be, uh, you know, a, a type of player like a McDavid or a McKinnon who you really can, uh, you know, ride his shoulders into the upper echelon of teams in this league. Now, Bedard might not be that either, but there's certainly a chance that he will, and it looks like a pretty good chance. So, uh, you know, it's tempting. I mean, I think all of us who are affiliated with teams or root for teams near the bottom of the standings, we're all dreaming of getting Connor Bedard. Unfortunately, for most of us, that's not going to happen. No. Are you of the belief that it all, you do always need that next level talent to, to win. I mean, I know, I guess the most recent example would be the blues who had some very good players, but they didn't have the quote unquote superstar. Whereas we see the McKinnons, you know, winning a, a title, or we could just look at just the, the oodles of talent that have been on Tampa Bay. Like, do you think it, it always takes a superstar to win more often than not? I think it does. I, I wouldn't say that it's impossible to win a Stanley Cup without that elite player. I mean, if you had enough uh, really good players, but absent the elite player, you might be able to pull it off. But, uh, you know, let's be honest. Teams that have uh, players like Nikita Kucherov or, you know, Nathan McKinnon, those are generally the teams that we see hoisting the Stanley Cup. And those guys don't come around very often. Uh, you know, Connor Bedard might be one of those, uh, you know, whether there will be another one this year, next year, the year after, uh, you know, we don't know. So uh, I, I think Connor Bedard is the real deal. Now I haven't seen him play a ton, mm -hmm. but based on what I've seen, uh, he looks pretty legit to me. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I don't have um, an argument against that, but I would, I'll play devil's advocate, Dan, because I, I, I know that you're always up to the challenge. What if I said to you, there are two players in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on the same team, and yet that's not equating to a Stanley Cup champion up to this point. I mean, it. Not, I'm not taking anything away from them, but that is the other side. It's like sometimes you can have literally, or for the argument, two of one and another of the top five best players in the league on the same team and it's still not equating to Stanley Cup final wins or berths. Well, that's a great point, because merely having the great player, or like in Edmonton's case, the the one and the 1A great player, uh, you know, that's not enough. You still need to surround those guys with the right personnel. Uh, you know, in the NBA, maybe that works. In the NHL, it's not going to. Yeah. So, uh you know, Edmonton over the years has not done that. And it's interesting to watch the Oilers because, you know, now you're hearing about how much they miss the veteran leadership in a player like Duncan Keith, who mm -hmm. they don't have anymore. Uh, you know, it seems like the Oilers are, are always trying to put those puzzle pieces on the periphery and they just haven't been able to do it. So, uh, you know, you, you need a lot to win in the National Hockey League. And, Certainly the great players are a good start, but as the Oilers have proven over the years, uh, you know, that doesn't guarantee anything. No, it doesn't. And I'm not trying to pick on the Oilers just to, you know, just for clarity. I just, you know, it's, it's hard because this is the thing, Dan, if you or I could figure out 
what it exactly took, how to make those puzzle pieces fit, we'd probably both be making a lot more money and in charge of an NHL franchise. But I think this just speaks to the difficulty of the task for whichever team is, you know, currently in the Bedard sweepstakes and other players to where they are saying, yeah, like you, you know, you can get a very, very big puzzle piece. Because I think at the end of the day, Dan, if you have a Connor McDavid or a Nathan McKinnon, um, it certainly makes the rest of the puzzle ostensibly that much easier to solve, right? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there's no question in my mind that in their heart of hearts, Ducks general manager Pat Verbeek and Sharks general manager Mike Greer, you know, they're dreaming of Connor Bedard too. You can't tell me that either one of those guys wouldn't uh, dance a jig if they wind up with the number one overall pick in this coming draft because that alone would make their jobs a whole lot more manageable. Now, it doesn't make them Stanley Cup contenders in either case, but it would give Pat Verbeek or Mike Greer the opportunity to build around that guy with the the young cores that each team already has. And, um, you know, if, if I'm Pat Verbeek or Mike Greer and I'm thinking, okay, how long is it going to take me to build a Stanley Cup champion here uh, if I get Connor Bedard, that's going to accelerate the process considerably. Yeah, no, most definitely. Most definitely. Let's look a little bit more centric at the at the Sharks and the Ducks entering tonight's game. I think both of us had hopes that the two teams would be better than where they were, where they are right now. But maybe ultimately when we go into this game, they're pretty much where if we had to make a safer bet, kind of where we thought they would be, maybe not. I think we both thought they would both be a little bit better, but if we had said in you know January they were seven eight in the division, I don't think either of us would have been, um, you know, too shocked, right? No, I don't think so. Um, again, I, I can talk uh, more knowledgeably about the Ducks. I, I think this season has definitely been a disappointment in Anaheim. I think the expectation was certainly that the Ducks would be. Uh, you know, markedly better than they have been. Um, you know, they, they have a number of problems. Uh, primarily, they don't score and they give up too many goals, and that's mm-hmm. a bad combination. You know, they've shown some signs at times when they play as well as they can or close to it, and they get elite goaltending, and maybe they get a little bit of puck luck, they can play with pretty much any team in this league as mm-hmm. evidenced by the, the last two games they've won yeah. against the two division leaders in the Western conference, Vegas and Dallas problem is that combination doesn't happen very often. And as a result, you have the record you do and the standing in the division and overall that you do. So, you know, it, it takes the right set of circumstances for the ducks to have success you know, the, the inability to score places an awful lot of pressure on the goaltender. And sometimes John Gibson or even Lukash Dostal, when he was up, you know, they've been up to that task. But it's not a recipe for sustained success. And, uh, you know, the Sharks, maybe they're closer to where everyone would have anticipated they would be at this point. I'm not sure about that. But I know the Ducks would have expected to have, I don't know, maybe maybe 10 or 12 more points than they do. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think that 
John Gibson is, you know, as actively on the block as the media predicts he is? Or do you think that there is still the desire of like, you know, when you go out there, he gives you a chance to to win games? Well, I'm going to preface this by saying that I, I really dislike uh, trade speculation involving players on the Ducks because I don't think it's fair to the players or their families to hear the hometown broadcasters saying anything that could be construed as, oh, you know, this broadcaster said player X is going to be traded and yeah. you know how things can get twisted. Um, but I will say this. No, I don't believe John Gibson is actively on the trade block. John Gibson has made it clear publicly that he's committed to Anaheim. He wants to be here. And general manager Pat Verbeek has given no indication that, uh, you know, he's trying to move John Gibson. So I think the other part of that is trading goaltenders in the NHL is a tricky proposition. Uh, oftentimes, you you don't necessarily get the price that you would think would be coming back when you deal a goaltender. And particularly with a guy like Gibson, uh, whose numbers are what they are and who's been inconsistent at times, uh, you know, his value is not at its highest. I will also say this, however, if I were the general manager of a Stanley Cup contender mm -hmm. and for whatever reason I needed a goaltender, and I could make it work with regard to the salary cap, I would certainly uh, investigate the possibility of getting John Gibson because I think if you put him on a good team and you give him a reasonable workload, I definitely think he is capable of uh, you know, backstopping a Stanley Cup championship team. Now, do I think that's going to happen? No, frankly, I don't. But I have been surprised before. Well, you, you touched on something that I wondered about like you said you don't want to put the speculation out there because it's tough on the the players and the families and I I do wonder about that with with where both the Sharks are and the Ducks are right now is that they're at a point in the season where you would wonder if inside the dressing room whether or not they would acknowledge it if there is a feeling of well when is the other shoe going to drop here like when is there going to be news when are players going to be um you know moved about because I think not that these guys aren't professionals and they aren't used to the realities of the NHL, but I do think that that relative uncertainty can, can permeate a dressing room and maybe not necessarily create something negative, but I think just everybody, it's probably somewhere in the back of their minds. I don't think there's any question about that. And it's funny you ask that because uh, I was just thinking the other day about my first season covering the NHL, which was 1991-92, uh, the Sharks inaugural season when I covered the Sharks. And uh, I remember being in the locker room upstairs at the Cow Palace and talking to guys as the trade deadline approached. And, mm -hmm. you know, that was a team that was mired in last place. It wasn't going anywhere. And certainly the veteran players recognized the possibility that, uh, you know, they could be moved. And I think the same is undoubtedly true with every team around the league, uh, especially those that are not in playoff contention. Uh, but the, the guys know. They they know whether they are uh, possibilities to be traded or not. In the case of the Ducks, uh, you know, if you're a pending unrestricted free agent, you can bet that general manager Pat Rubik is going to look into the possibilities. He proved that last year. 
He traded Hampus Lindholm. He traded Josh Manson. He traded Ricard Raquel. He traded Nick Delorier. Uh, so it's going to be a question of if they haven't come to me with, uh, you know, talk about a contract extension and I'm an unrestricted free agent to be, I got a pretty good hunch I'm going to be headed somewhere else come March. Uh, you know, the the guys who are under contract for longer periods of time or the young guys who haven't really, uh, you know, established themselves yet, they're in a different camp. But there's no question with the Ducks, they have a number of guys who stand to be UFAs, um, you know, and, and they know, they know what's what the deal is. Uh, and I, I have to think the same is true in San Jose and everywhere else. As a last one, what are your thoughts um, on tonight's game as we as we head towards tonight's game? Well, as I was preparing for our pregame show tonight, um, the first thing we're going to talk about is we have no idea what to expect tonight. And that's <laughs> because of, number one, how the Ducks have played this season. Every time they play a good game and we think maybe they can build on it, uh, the opposite happens. And then about the time you think they're never going to win another game ever, they come up with one like they did against Dallas the other night, play really well and beat a good team. Yeah. So it, it's impossible to predict this team. And then if you look at this series, uh, the first two games in San Jose in early November were both extremely competitive, uh, could have gone either way, high scoring. Ducks happened to win both in a shootout. And then they come down here a month later and the Sharks blow them out. <laughs> so... Uh, if if you know what's going to happen tonight, Ted, please tell me because I don't have a clue. No, I, I wish I did. And I was laughing when you mentioned that shootout loss, the second one for the Sharks to the Ducks. That was the Sharks were up 4-2 with five minutes left in the third, and the Ducks come storming back, went in a shootout. Sharks had a similar situation against Philadelphia, um, you know, about a week and a half ago where they were up, I believe, 3-1 entering the third and then lost in overtime. And so, like, when you... When you have things like two goal home leads that are not safe in the third period, that just speaks to your point of, I mean, we would to try and predict, even though I am already um, very good at being wrong. It's like, now I don't even want to enter that equation because almost, it's almost guaranteed certainty. I'll be nowhere near accurate. Well, with that in mind, that's a big reason why I really try to stay away from pred predictions because <laughs> Uh, they're impossible, and and I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. I do know that uh, Duck Sharks games are generally a lot of fun. The last mm -hmm. one, not so much, at least from an Anaheim perspective. But you know, they're generally competitive. They're generally entertaining, and I always enjoy them. And I'm only sorry that these teams are meeting for the final time tonight, right. because here we have half a season to go, and we won't see the Sharks again. So, you know, that's that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Well, Dan, don't worry. I will still find a way to uh, to bug you, uh, especially once baseball season gets underway. I'm sure I'll be shooting you a few texts. But I appreciate your time as always. Uh, it's fun talking with you. Um, again, happiest of New Year's to you. And like I said, I'll be bugging you soon, all right? That sounds good, Ted. And if anyone is listening who cares about this kind of thing, and I know there has to be, uh, what the San Francisco Giants have done this offseason is just fine. They're going to be okay. There's no reason to panic, Carlos Correa or no. So uh, let's get out there for the Giants nation because I like what they've done this offseason, and I'm looking forward to uh, baseball rolling around. 
Dan Wood, everyone, radio color commentator for the Anaheim Ducks. Always great talking with Dan. And, of course, we've got a great Dan of our own, Dan Rusinowski. Remember to sync tonight's TV broadcast with Dan's broadcast right here on the Sharks Audio Network. Pre-game coverage live at 6.30, game broadcast at 7. We are out of time for the San Jose Sharks. I'm Ted Ramey, signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yend.